I'm Suzanne. And I'm Zoe. And you are listening to Sex Advice for Seniors. We've got a special episode today because we're with somebody that I've known for a very long period of time, Caroline Bobby, who is a psychotherapist, 65 years old. And back in 2007 to 2017, she decided to, as she puts it, start to stroke naked men. And, and it was kind of a calling as she puts it, but part of the reason why we thought we'd have this conversation now, which is five, six, uh, 2000, my maths is terrible as well. Uh, six years after, six years after you stopped stroking naked men was that Caroline asked me if we could share and talk about, and she could reflect on that experience in her life looking back, which you've not really done before. You sort of did it in the midst of it, but not really, not really looking back and thinking about now, what is as a 65 year old woman, what does that really feel like and mean? And yeah, what do you, what are your thoughts on that? So Caroline, hello. 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 Hi. Hi. I have so many questions. And I'm just, um, I'm just going, oh, I've never been on a podcast before, so give me a minute. <laughs> and it's, it's a free record, by the way, so it's not live. Oh. So, oh. so we, we, edit, we edit this and everything. So, yeah, it's it's a free-flowing kind of thing. So, yeah, you're not live. There's no, there's actually, no one. Yeah. Actually, while we're now just chatting, um, I what I want to ask is, are is this something that you did? I mean, I'll ask all these questions if you are open to having questions asked, but I am fascinated. I'm, I, if this, if you did this in sort of a therapeutic with a therapeutic intent, I'm so excited to hear that. So I'm very, um, do you want to start by telling the story or should we start with some questions? Tell, tell the story. I mean, a bit of both, I guess. I mean, okay. first of all, to let you both know, Suzanne probably knows already, you can ask me anything. I'm, you know, I'm exceptionally out in almost every sort of, I can't think of anything that's not out. And <laughs> some of it is quite sort of close to the edge for some people. So um, there is no, no go anywhere feel free yeah okay i'm i'm a you don't know me but i'm a, a certified sexologist very sex positive i'm i am also very open and <clears throat> supportive of anything as long as it's consensual and no one's getting hurt lovely so, lovely to meet you yeah. i like your hat <laughs> thank you <laughs> okay yeah, so, so how did it all start, Caroline? Just just give us a bit of context. So there I was, uh, 40-something, late 40s, and having identified and sort of spent most of our, my kind of adult sort of sexual life identifying as a lesbian but not a kind of really hardcore lesbian in that I was sort of not somebody who found men revolting or 
horrifying. I just sort of, the lesbians adopted me when I was about 14 and I ran away from home and I sort of joined the gang and that had suited me very well, although I had a, an occasional sort of play with, with the odd man over the years. Around 2007, like something was brewing in me and it was a sort of desire to to play to play, to play with men. And the most upsetting thing about that was it sort of meant that I couldn't really legitimately call myself a lesbian anymore, which felt like a, a real loss because I liked being a lesbian. And um, <laughs> it took me quite a long time to sort of, as it, a very sort of ambivalent bisexual, um, to get to realise that I'm queer. I, I've always been queer. I just didn't know that because we didn't have that vocabulary. But um, I'm definitely queer. So that felt better. Uh, I'm digressing a bit. So at this point, I'm a middle-aged, well, yeah, I'm a middle-aged psychotherapist. And I love my work. And um, suddenly I wanted to kind of open a space that was in structure and form very like the psychotherapeutic space but I wanted to be um, offering myself in a sort of devotional but very boundaried service to to men I mean and women if they showed up which they did occasionally and my head went Caroline you can't do this. It's against the psychotherapy police's rule book. And um, that went on for a bit. And then I, I just, it was such a clear, sort of simple call that underneath all the noise was just the simple. And I just understood that if I didn't do it, um, I'd never know. So... I really thought it through in terms of the sort of pragmatics, really, sort of how to set it up on my terms. And I kind of made a deal with myself that if at any point it felt not okay, then I would step back out. And it was really as simple as that. And it was back in the day before sort of it was right sort of before um everything was online so sort of sex ads were in the back of those free papers that don't exist anymore and even yeah. time out had a page for sex ads and mm. so I had 20 words to sell my beautiful self <laughs> <laughs> or invite people into this experiment that I was having with myself <laughs> and I, I think I began with, would you like to be lovingly touched rather than handled? And okay. um, uh, technology advanced and lots of things happened and it all went online. But really that initial, are you looking for loving pleasuring rather than mechanistic handling? Mm. That That was always the heart of my advertising sort of voice and um when it got online I I just um 
sat amongst all the breasts and cum shots and sort of um, enormous boobs and, you know, do you want to have sex with your granny and all, all the weirdness that was out there. And there'd be just a little picture of my face with possibly a dash of lipstick, just kind of saying the same thing, really. That's how I set it up and that's where I began. And that was the door opening to something that was very strong and clear in me, but that I didn't really fully, I trusted rather than understood what I was doing. And in that, in amongst the breasts and the cum shots and stuff like that, um, what kind of people turned up and responded? One of the results from inviting in, in, in that way, which is just me, it's my authentic meanness. You know that, Suzanne, it's like, yes. it's, it's just yeah. me. Um, what it did was it minimised the people who weren't my naked men. It didn't not, it, sadly, it didn't like... Um, it didn't get rid of them entirely by a long shot, but it, it, what I was speaking to, the, the men I was speaking to and the old woman that I was speaking to, they heard me. So they came, so to speak, sometimes more than once. And, <laughs> and, um, and so did quite a lot of the others, but I got only time in my life I've ever had two phones I had a naked phone and a normal phone, and um, I just got really fucking shit hot at, at phone, and um, <laughs> and actually, over that decade that I spent doing this work, <coughs> excuse me, probably the most tiny percentage of not my people, actually showed up at my front door and ended up in, you know, in my room, in my blue room, as I called it, because it was at the time, um, because I caught them on the phone. Yeah, yeah, because you do have to get very good at separating out whether there's somebody that actually wants what you're prepared and want to give and someone who just sees somebody that does just want to get out off right yeah. and and i suspect that that is about getting really clear on the phone about what you are or not willing to do pragmatic level yes you know but also somebody who starts off by saying do you suck cock yeah. is 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 really not on the phone with the right person um <laughs> and and that's obvious but what what was more kind yeah. of interesting in a way were people who were disguising themselves as someone else maybe even partly to themselves mm. but I got I mean I've been a psychotherapist for you know kind of at that point about 25 years so I am good at hearing what isn't being said I'm here I, I hear the subtext I hear the code so um which was a, a huge huge asset hmm. yeah Caroline I'm so curious um 
what, who were your people? Who was it? Let's talk about the men first. Um, who are the men that were, that you were um, serving in, in this endeavor? What was it that they were missing that, that called to you to, um, to give them in this loving touch? I think if I had to um, really make a haiku out of answering that question, it, it, it would be um, something to do with loneliness, mm-hmm. longing and loneliness. And, and some of these guys were like in very functional and even friendly long-term partnerships or marriages. But they were lonely. And, you know, I think we're often not so much just speaking about sort of the naked men, but just myself working in the zone of intimacy with human beings over sort of three and a half decades. I think we're often lonely for ourselves and we and culture sort of across the globe really in different sort of ways it encourages and reinforces this idea that we're lonely for this sort of magical other I don't believe that's true and I believe subscribing to that idea causes so much pain and suffering and struggle and confusion and uh, chaos in the sort of field of technical word attachment which mm-hmm. I think is a fancy word for love and, and, and connection love and connection we're all sort of but the thing is I reckon it needs to start here like how is my relationship with myself mm. you know is there some good love and connection going on at the sort of internal home address generally I don't like to generalize but generally I think not it's Mm. it's not particularly intimate sort of self-self so then we sort of bomb around like attaching to people and then getting really upset because it it doesn't hit the spot Caroline, you're speaking my language. Um, I I often I, I wrote a book called Radical Intimacy, and that this is very oh, much the premise of that. Nice um, we, title. Yeah, <laughs> we can meet each other to the extent that we can meet ourselves. Right? Yeah, exactly. You know what strikes me as. Um, I love your story and I love the inspiration to um, to help people in this way and help heal people in this way. Um, there, you know, in recent times there, I mean, there's been for quite a while sex surrogates yeah. and there are also, there's a whole sort of new-ish um, discipline called somatic sex worker or somatic somatic sex uh therapy yeah right yeah um where there's actually hands-on and as someone who treats clients in the sexual realm there are so many times where 
clearly like I can only do so much and then someone's got to get hands on them. And Mm. I'm often coaching partners to do that for each other. Mm. But, um, but it's such a, a beautiful idea that someone could come to you for that kind of healing experience Mm. in a way, you Mm. know, and the idea that sex can be healing. Yes. Sexual activity. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as I said, it's very, very powerful to, to be reflective. And I, I have, obviously, I, I mean, I would call this chapter in, in the actuality of pretty much decade that I was offering this a constant revelation to to my own understanding of what I was up to and um, and also since um, sort of bringing it to a close I'm still understanding sort of layers of what it was that I was up to but in in the sort of structural reality of what I was offering I I was not offering sexual intercourse although occasionally that happened if I felt like I wanted to hop on somebody I I I would (laughs) um but what I was really offering was to receive like I you know my kind of my word was and still is in many ways welcome like really welcome let's make you really welcome and if somebody was saying what what are your boundaries and your do's and don'ts like I used a massage table I would um, invite somebody to like unwrap themselves I might help them unwrap themselves I definitely wasn't kind of dressed up in high heels and stockings. I was usually wearing something like a sarong around my waist and a sort of nice kind of vesty thing, which is the sort of thing I like to wear. So simple and... um, but not a lot of clutter and certainly not any theatrics. Mm. So it was kind of like, come in, be welcome, be here. Very simple and very different for a lot of men who had used sexual services and were much more um, used to a bit of a performance. Mm. Or a lot, or a lot of a performance. So, um, I think a lot of the men for whom I was the right kind of person, the kind that came back and came back often, and and you know, kind of deepened into a a relationship in the same way that I would with a psychotherapy client. A lot yeah. of those men were really looking to be welcomed and received. And my sort of premise really was um, I'm holding the space. I'm holding the space, which is what I do as a psychotherapist. I'm holding the space and um, I'm safe. 
we can find out what needs to happen here together. But I'm holding the space. And I think what I came to understand over those 10 years is that actually in terms of sort of my erotic life and kind of libidinal joy and all those sorts of things, that is my favourite sexual position, to to be holding the space, which is not really suitable for a, a, an ongoing partnership. It's, you know, you can't, but I, you know, I'm very, very interested in intimacy, connection, sort of understanding my own story in terms of relational matters, attachment, love and connection. And yeah, that is that is my favourite sexual position. And I got to have 10 glorious redemptive healing um, years in which I gave a lot and received a lot. And when I started with that sort of call out, I had no idea about any of that. No idea whatsoever. I, I kind of like sort of rolled onwards into understanding that. And the more deeply I understood that, the, the more beautifully it it kind of worked, so to speak. It like it it became sort of much more happening, happening in the sort of like a river is a river. It doesn't have to think about being a river. It just rivers away. And it it became much more like that. And, it, yeah, what I just said, I gave a lot, but I absolutely got given a lot. And, you know, if I think about that, whatever it was, sort of, 10 years plus six or seven, you know, that much younger me, I just think, fuck, fucking hell. Like, I really bow to the me that, like, walked through that doorway. Because it, it was a little bit radical. The psychotherapy police would not approve. And... Um, yeah. To say the least. <laughs> to say the least. And, and and you know, in terms of the being out, you know, I wrote some articles for, you know, psychotherapy websites. I talked about what I was doing. Um, you know, luckily, my procrastination had saved me from... Um, actually getting accredited by any of these bloody psychotherapy police sort of <laughs> bodies of, you know, I mean, you know, I was like halfway to the UK CP and then I changed my mind about what I wanted to be, which department of psychotherapy I wanted to be in. By the time I faffed around with all that, the timing collided with this door opening and I thought, you know what, I'm going to go into the margins because I don't ever want to be in a position where some somebody's going to call me up to defend myself in mm. one of these accreditation bodies. So I'm not accredited as a psychotherapist. And it means that if anybody ever did 
sort of call me on it professionally. I would just stand in my boots and my heart and speak my truth. And there would be no BACP, UKCP, anything, CP, anything, you know, like involved. And, you know, there've been some losses in that, in that I can't work with training psychotherapists, which has been sad a few times and I can't supervise people in training can't work in the NHS but actually it means that I'm uncompromisingly uncompromised so <laughs> yeah I mean I'm I think one of the things about when you started as you said without the without the internet, without people maybe being as into porn as they are now. Um, and now, of course, when, as, as Zoe said, you know, we've got different types of, of therapy, some of which involve hands, Tantra, um, possibly some of the work that you were doing back then, just a lot of these other things just weren't available. And so what you were doing was really kind of quite unique and quite radical. And I and I think also one of the interesting things is that managing to sneak in between all the performative sex workers and still be able to find people that respected and understood why they were there and what you were there to give yeah. was pretty amazing because I know you could have ended up in a place where a lot of people turned up that were just fundamentally after a hand job. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it seems like you kind of found a way through all of that to find people who understood that they might get a hand job, but, but, but it wasn't going to be in the same way in the same, you know, it wasn't going to be in the same way as maybe they had expected. Um, and yeah, that that takes some filtering and yeah, keeping yourself safe. You know, that's what I always worry about. All of these sorts of situations is keeping yourself safe. Yeah. Is somebody walks into your space, you know, you have to really, really know that you're not in danger. Did yeah. you ever feel through any of those 10 years that you were in a situation that potentially was quite dangerous? I never felt unsafe, but I think I I headed off quite a lot of unsafe at at the yeah. using the phone as the portal. Yeah, um, yeah. What I did have to deal with probably I don't know five or six times was a full blown panic attack. A you know a full blown um, really? sort of kind of emotional blowout and I think that is because th those people that it's contact it's like we want contact but then it's you know for all sorts of reasons to do with people's trauma and stuff that you know I'm not going to get told a narrative of but th the actual reality of, of getting contact just kind of sort of cracked a few people sort of it kind of blew into something and you know luckily 
I was able to manage that because of because of who I am. But um, there's quite a high frequency of customers, clients, sort of having a a freak out in a session. You know, they've gone for a maybe for full sex as it's called or or a hand job or whatever but somehow it takes some people somewhere and then some people you know they take something before they come to sort of you know they might take some pills or they might I I mean I'm not talking about Viagra but something sort of mood altering um something soothing something you know I mean if somebody walks in or walked in and they were pissed I just took some money off them and showed them out again but you know kind of some pills and what have you are are more subtle than that and I, I think I think probably people who really don't know how to handle a panic attack get sort of faced with one you know we have so much trauma um around sex and sexuality and there's so many people i can imagine many of the people who would respond to your ad who would be attracted to having loving touch are people who are missing that in their lives and then to the vulnerability of Mm. uh of being in that position and receiving that not wrapped up in the typical cultural narratives around sex I can imagine how life altering that is. And there's an aspect of that. I mean, I see it in my practice all the time. I'm not hands-on, but just in, in talking about it, exploring it. And it's, you know, um, there's a grief that can flood in when you realize what you've been missing and what you've been longing for, and that this isn't really a regular part of your, of your life. It's not in your your daily, your relationships, maybe with your partner, maybe you don't have a partner, maybe you've never had a partner. Exactly that. All of a sudden, in contact with this part um, of yourself can be earth-shattering. You know, it's like, as a therapist, I, I wouldn't always advocate that somebody does step into therapy. I mean, some people are you know, we, we have defense systems for very good reasons. And, you know, if I'm taking some time to sort of consult sort of over a few sessions about a potential therapy, I would consider that a collaborative consultation. But then there's a place where, you know, I can feel into what's there. And obviously, they can sort of get a sense of me but I've said no to people who want to have psychotherapy with me because I just think like bless you if you do break open there is like in this so-called compassionate society there is nothing that will like offer you the kind of holding and containment that you would need to to support you if you were going to like sort of break open sort of you know maybe like 
you know, I think with the the end of anything resembling a a therapeutic community as a model, like there's there's nowhere. And, you know, I can't sort of say yes to somebody because they can't move in with me and have 24-7 kind of, you know, so it's like for some people I would say, I'm really sorry, but I don't think it's a very good idea. And um, when you're kind of opening your door to a naked man, you don't have that that space, obviously, to to have a sense about sort of what may or may not be fruitful, it may actually be counterproductive, may actually sort of kind of set off a, a reactivated trauma. So, you know, there've been a couple of those moments where I thought, oh my God. Mm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Pandora's box, right? Did I have didn't hear the Caroline, second Caroline, did the you question. have repeat clients and did you have around that? Did you have like rules and boundaries around repeat sessions? I know with um sex surrogacy there's a certain number of sessions that you are uh, allowed by the licensing board because after that it becomes um the the uh attachments and the um and the the feelings mm. the emotions mm. start to can for mm. many people start to cement <laughs> a relationship and it becomes I didn't something really have a policy i guess i um policy there I would say I I I I trusted myself to to stay to to stay with what felt healing for lack of a better word. And if it and if it stopped feeling um you know, if it was veering somewhere else, like I did, I, I did have a, a couple of um, men that came quite a few times, and and it felt really nice, and sort of when I say really nice, I mean connective. Um, intimate in the right way and on both occasions something started to enter into the field and I would say it was um, it was the beginnings of anger it was the beginning of um, I can't I don't like what you're doing I don't like that you're not just mine and actually that was very very sort of distinct you could I could see it feel it smell it almost before it started to formulate itself and for me that was like we've got to wind this up because I'm not going here it isn't useful for you if this if if, if I've been um a helpful experience for you. I'm really, really glad. And you have 
mattered to me or dear to me. That is unequivocal. But what's starting to try and happen now, it's like I'm going to cut it off before it gets up ahead of steam. And I would be very direct and simple and straightforward. And I would say more or less what I've just said in in a sort of appropriate to the person sort of way. But I would say it, you know, I am not interested in something that has been very precious and has indeed been healing. I want you to internalise that and keep it, take it with you and like kind of, you know, let it be sort of fertile and maybe grow something out of it. Stay with yourself and, you know, see if, you know, you do meet somebody, you bring the gifts of this to it. But I'm absolutely not going to collude with something that would, in a way, take a toxic wrecking ball to something that has been very clean and and very simple. So um, I guess that's my version of, you know, what's behind your question. I didn't have a sort of, okay, I mean, some people I saw for years, like, I don't know, just kind of without without any stress or pressure and like sometimes um you know kind of six months would go past and and then you know there'd be a little sort of coming sort of every couple of weeks for a bit and then you know but like all those long-term sort of dances they're quality that ran through them was ease which I I really dig ease I love ease Mm. so many people say to me oh you you listen to people's problems no not really I I kind of meet people (laughs) I meet people where they will allow me to meet them and we see what can happen that might be sort of reparative, redemptive, but it's always about connection and, and intimacy. It's so, you know, the, the idea that a therapist or a counsellor is somebody who sits and listens to people's problems is so far away from, you know, the, the almost the mystery, the mystery of the intimacy involved in like working in that realm and if you know I mean I I remember like like this guy saying to me once this old not old but he was like I don't know he was in his early 70s and he was quite sort of broken in a way about I think he probably was very disappointed about how life had gone. And I think he probably took Viagra when he came to see me because he always had a sort of raging erection. And um, he'd obviously watched, he obviously watched a lot of sort of porn because he had a lot of sort of porn narrative. So he, he would, you know, he would often kind of go, oh, oh, 
what are you doing to me? Oh, what are you doing to me? And, you know, I just remember the day I said, um, well, I'm not really doing anything to you. I've, I've got your cock in my hand. But really, I've got your heart in my hand. And what I'm really doing is staying with you. I'm right here. I'm right here with you. Cock and heart, indistinguishable, really. What if you take a deep, slow breath rather than the panting that's going on and, and see if you can let what I've just said land? And just for a micro moment, it did. Just for that, and I'm sure he wasn't able to keep it. But it happened. That moment happened. And I really, like, I remember it so vividly it was so tender tenderness happened in that in that moment and i just oh that like sort of sorrow and beauty in moments like that i'm full of moments like that caroline you're a beautiful human being really thank you i'm very moved oh, by by your calling your courage, your presence, um, you're really a healer and um, we need more people like you in the world stroking naked men.